0: Luke, chapter 8, verses 26 through 56, verses 26 through 40. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he brake the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, legion, because many devils were entered into him, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man, and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake, and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear." And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Burkett notes, This piece of history gives us a very sad relation of a person that was possessed of a legion of devils. We read of few, if any, in the Old Testament that were thus possessed, but of many in the New. Our Savior came into the world to destroy the work of the devil. Therefore, he suffered Satan to enter some human bodies to show his divine power in casting him out. Observe here, one, that the evil angels, by their fall, lost their purity but not their power. For with God's permission they have power not only to enter men's bodies and to possess them, but also to distemper their minds and drive them to frenzy and madness. Such was the deplorable case here. Note, too, that the reason why the evil angels do not oftener exert their power in doing mischief to the bodies and lives of men is from the restraining power of God. The devil cannot do all the mischief he would, and shall not do all he can. Observe 3 the place where these evil spirits delighted to make their abode, amongst the tombs, or graves, places desolate, forlorn, and solitary, which are apt to breed horror of the mind and to give advantage to temptation. From whence I gather that it is very dangerous and unsafe for persons, especially in whom melancholy prevails, to give themselves too much to solitariness, to frequent desolate places, and to affect being much alone for it gives advantage to Satan to set upon them with powerful temptations. It is much better to frequent human society, especially to delight in the communion of the saints, by means whereof we may be more and more strengthened against Satan's temptations. Observe 4. How the devils own Christ to be the Son of God, and pay unwilling worship and homage to him, yielding subjection to him as his slaves and vassals, not a free and voluntary service. They cried out and fell down before him, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Whereby calling him Jesus, they owned him to be a Savior, but none of their Savior. What have we to do with thee, Jesus? Oh, what an uncomfortable expression this is, to own Christ to be a Savior, and at the same time to know and declare that he is none of our Savior. What is God, if he be not my God? What comfort is a savior, if he be not my savior? Observe five. What a multitude of evil spirits do enter into one man. Oh, the extreme malice and enmity of the devil against mankind, in that so many evil spirits should at once afflict and torment a single person, even a legion, many thousands of them. Note likewise the unity and agreement which is amongst these evil spirits in doing mischief. Though there was a multitude of them, in this one person, yet they all have but one name. We see the very devils have a sort of unity amongst themselves, and their malicious and mischievous designs against mankind, they are as one. Oh, how happy were it if good men were as united in their designs and endeavors for the glory of God and the good of one another as devils conspire and contrive against them. Observe 6, the request which the devil makes to Christ. We beseech thee, torment us not. From whence we may gather, 1. that there are torments appointed to the spiritual nature of evil angels. 2. that the evil angels or devils are not so full of torment as they shall be, although they are as full of sin and discontent as they can be. There will be a time when their torments shall be increased. Therefore, they pray, torment us not before the time. That is, do not increase our torments before the appointed time of their increase. Observe 7. The devil's request for permission and leave to go into the herd of swine. Where note one, the devil's malice. He will hurt the poor beasts rather than not hurt at all. Two, his powerful restraint. He cannot hurt a poor pig without a permission. Suffer us to enter. Satan's malice is indeed infinite, but his power is bounded. It is a power under a power. If he could not hurt the swine, much less can he afflict the children of men without leave. Observe eight how Satan's request is yielded to by our Savior. He suffered them to go into the swine, not to gratify their desire in doing mischief, but, first, hereby Christ showed his power over the devils, that they could not act without his permission and leave. Next, to show how great the malice and power of the devil is, if not restrained. And lastly, that the miracle of casting out so many devils might appear to be the greater. Learn hence that sometimes Almighty God, for wise end and just causes, doth suffer the devil to enjoy his desire in doing mischief unto the creatures. Jesus said unto them, Go. Observe 9. What a bad effect this miracle had upon the minds of the Gadarians. Instead of believing and owning Christ's divine power, the loss of their swine enrages them and makes them desire Christ's departure from them. Learn that carnal hearts prefer their swine before their Savior and would rather lose Christ's presence than their worldly prophet. They besought him to depart from them. Sad is the condition of those from whom Christ departs. More sad the condition of such who say unto Christ depart, but most sad the condition of them who beseech and entreat Christ to depart from them. Thus did the Gadarians hear, and we do not read that ever Christ returned more to them. Observe 10. How desirous the possessed man was to continue with Christ after he was come to himself. He prayed that he might be with him. This he might desire partly to testify his thankfulness to Christ, partly out of fear of being repossessed again by Satan, or perhaps to have the opportunity of hearing Christ's doctrine and seeing his miracles. For such as have once tasted that the Lord is gracious and experienced the pleasure and profit of Christ's company are very desirous of the continuance of it, an exceeding law, to part with it. However, our Savior at this time did not think it fit to suffer him, knowing that more glory would redound to God by publishing this miracle to his friends. Christ expects, after imminent deliverance is wrought for us, that we should be the publishers of his praises and declare to all far and near the great and wonderful things which he has done for us. Observe, lastly, how Christ ascribes that power to God by which he had wrought this miracle of healing, show him how great things God has done for thee. From whence the Socinians infer that had he been God Most High, and the author of that power by which he wrought this miracle, he would have ascribed it to himself. Answer. Christ doth this as not seeking his own glory, but the glory of him that sent him, that is, as executing his prophetic office in his Father's name and casting out devils by that spirit which he had received from his father. Verses 41 and 42 There came a man named Jarius, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Burkett notes, observe here, 1 the person described who came to Christ on behalf of his sick daughter, by his name, Jairus. By his office, a ruler of the synagogue, by his gesture, he fell down at Jesus' feet. This gesture of his was not only a sign of tender affection in him towards his daughter, but also evidence of his faith in our beloved Savior. He believed him either to be God or an extraordinary man who had a miraculous power of healing. Observe too. How readily Christ complies with Jarius' request! Jesus went with him. Although his faith was but weak, yet our Savior doth not reject him or deny his suit. Oh, how ready should we be to go to Christ in all our distresses, who is so ready to hear and so forward to help us, if we seek him in sincerity, though our faith be weak and feeble. Observe 3. The great humility of our blessed Savior in suffering himself to be thronged with poor people. Much people followed him and thronged him. O humble and lowly Savior, how free was thy conversation from pride and haughtiness! How willing to converse with the meanest of the people for their advantage! Christ did not only suffer them to come near him, but even to throng him. Let not then the greatest person upon earth despise or disdain the poorest of people, but look upon some with an eye of favor, upon others with an eye of pity, upon none with an eye of contempt. Verses 43-48 through And a woman, having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee, and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace." Burkett notes, As our Savior was on his way to Jairus' house, a diseased woman cometh behind him, toucheth his clothes, and is presently healed. The virtue lay not in her finger, but in her faith, or rather in Christ, which her faith instrumentally drew forth. Observe one, the diseased woman, one with a bloody flux. Let women here take notice of the miseries which the sin of the first woman brought upon all women, among which this is One that it has made their bodies subject to preternatural issues and fluxes of blood. Observe 2, the long continuance of this disease, 12 years. It pleases God to lay long and tedious afflictions upon some of his children in this life, and particularly to keep some of them a very long time under bodily weakness, to manifest his power in supporting them, and to magnify his mercy in delivering them. Observe 3, this poor woman was found in the use of means. She sought to physicians for help and is not blamed for so doing, although she spent all she had upon them. The use and help of physic is by no means to be neglected by us. In times of sickness, especially in dangerous diseases of the body, to trust to the means is to neglect God, and to neglect the means is to condemn God. The health of our body ought to be dear unto us, and all lawful means used both to preserve it, to recover it, and to confirm it. Observe 4. The actings of this poor woman's faith. Her disease was unclean by ceremonial law, and she is to be separated from society. Accordingly, she is ashamed to appear before Christ, but comes behind him to touch his clothes, being firmly persuaded that Christ had a power communicated to him miraculously to cure incurable diseases. And how our Savior encouraged her faith, he saith, Thy faith has made thee whole. Learn hence that faith oftentimes meets with a better welcome from Christ than it did or could expect. This poor woman came to Christ trembling, but went away triumphing. Observe 5. Christ would have this miracle discovered. He therefore says, Who touched me? For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Christ says this first, in reference to himself, to manifest his divine power, that by the touch of his clothes he could cure such an incurable disease. Secondly, in relation to the woman, that she might have opportunity to give God the praise and glory for the cure. And thirdly, with respect to Jairus, that his faith might be strengthened in belief of Christ's power to raise his daughter. Verses 49 through 56 While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only and she will be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, and James, and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out, and took her by the hand, and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straight away. And he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Burkett Notes Observe here, one, the doleful news brought to Jairus's ear. Thy daughter is dead. The Lord doth sometimes suffer the faith and patience of his children to be greatly exercised and tried. The loss of dear relations, particularly of children, especially an only child, is one of the greatest sorrows of human life. A trial which has so often shocked an ordinary patience and constancy of mind. Observe 2. Our Savior's seasonable word of advice and comfort. Fear not, only believe. Christ stands ready to comfort believers in the hour of their greatest trials and temptations. Observe 3. Christ's application of himself in order to the raising to life of Jairus's dead daughter. And here, one, he goes into the house only with three of his disciples and the father and the mother of the maid, which was sufficient to bear witness of the truth of the miracle. Our Savior, to avoid all show of vainglory, would not work this miracle publicly before all the people. Our Savior rebukes them for the show they made of immoderate grief and sorrow for the dead damsel. They wept and wailed greatly. The minstrels making a noise, say the other evangelists, according to custom of the heathens, who by a mournful sort of music did seek to stir up the passion of grief at their funerals. To mourn immoderately for the dead is a heathenish custom and practice. Tis hurtful to the living, tis dishonorable to the dead. Nor is it an argument of more love, but an evidence of less grace. 3. Christ adds a reason for this rebuke given by him. For the damsel is not dead. But sleepeth. She is dead to you, but asleep to me. Not so dead as to be beyond my power to raise her to life. Souls departed are under the conduct of angels to their several regions of bliss or misery. It is very probable that the soul of this damsel was under the guard of angels, near her dead body, waiting the pleasure of God in order to its disposal, either to restore it again to its body or to translate it to its eternal mansion. Observe farther the nature of death in general, and the saint's death in particular. Tis a sleep. Sleep is a state of rest. Sleep is a sudden surprisal. In sleep there is an insensible passage of our time. The person sleeping shall certainly awake. Oh, how much is it our wisdom to prepare for the bed of the grave, and so to live, that when we lie down in it, there may be nothing to disturb our rest. Observe farther with what facility and ease our Savior raises the dead damsel, with a word speaking, and St. Mark tells us what these words were, Talitha Kumi, Syric words, to show the truth of the miracle, not like a conjurer muttering a charm in an unknown tongue. The miracles which Christ wrought were real miracles and carried their own evidence along with them. Observe lastly the charge given by our Savior not to publish this miracle. He charged them to tell no man what was done, that is, divulge it not imprudently to such of the scribes and Pharisees as would not be convinced by it, but only cavil at it, and be the more enraged against him for it, and seek his death before his appointed time was come. Again, tell it no man unseasonably and all at once, but gradually and by degrees. For it was the will of God that the divine glory of Christ should not be manifest to the world all at once and on a sudden but little and little during a state of humiliation, for his resurrection was the time appointed by God for the full manifestation of Christ's Godhead. Romans one four declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead.